joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melts the clouds of sin and sadness. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Let's dive in. Let's begin with prayer, and then let's study together for a few minutes. God, we thank you for the chance to just be in your presence. We thank you for the opportunity uh, to receive your love and mercy and grace. We are so grateful for this time. We're grateful for the songs that we've sung, for the opportunity to have communion with one another, God. We're so grateful for the chance to just lift our prayers to you today, to read from your word. Now help us as we unpack a passage of scripture about your awesomeness today. Help us to have hearts that are open and willing to be touched and willing to be convicted, God. Help us to understand when this time is over how awesome it is to have you as our everlasting father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Something that I think is, is so true, so true, is Christmas is when we feel all the changes. Think about that statement for a second. It is not really just Christmas per se, the, the, the particular day. I think it's the time of year. The time of year, kind of from Thanksgiving uh, through the holiday seasons, I think that Christmas is a time when we feel all of the changes. And when I think about changes, I think about life, okay? Think about things that are going on in your life, things that are going on in your world right now. One of the big changes, I guess you could say, in our world is, uh, is London right now. London, she turned three yesterday. Uh, the child that we did not know that we needed in our life is three years old now. Uh, she was the biggest surprise to us. We were not planning on having any more. We were done with three. Now we're done with four. I, I know that some of you understand that idea, uh, but we were, we're done with four. But anyway, as she's growing up. She, she's getting older. And this year, one of the biggest changes for her this year is she has enjoyed the holidays, starting with, and really not a holiday, but starting with Halloween. She was in spooky mode all through Halloween. Everything was spooky. She wanted to watch all the spooky movies on on Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu, all, all of them, like she, she wanted to be spooky. And of course, if you're like us, once uh, the Halloween kind of time comes, that's also code for it's time for Christmas. You know, it's time to put Christmas decorations up. I know that we could get into a, a large dis heated discussion about when the proper time to put Christmas decorations uh, is. Uh, but at our house there, I just put one of our Christmas trees up three months ago, like took it down and put it back in the garage three months ago. And I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Because in like six weeks, I've got to get it back out, right? And so we're just, you know, we're Christmas all the time at my house. We just love this time of year. We love the decorations, love the holidays. And listen, I mean, London's getting into it. She's excited about it. And everywhere we go, like, you, you know, it's like, oh, it's Christmas. She sees lights and it's Christmas. And she's so excited about it. And listen, it makes me excited, you know? Like it, it kind of rejuvenates that little boy within me that was so excited about it growing up. And, you know, sometimes that Christmas spirit kind of, you know, wavers a little bit the older you get and the excitement about it. And it kind of becomes, you know, a headache sometimes. But now just watching her, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's exciting, you know, and, and, and it makes me so happy. But then you get into this time of year and, and maybe it's not as exciting for you, you know. The, the older your kids get, the, the more that time 
passes by, uh, maybe you're in that phase where your kids are married and they've started their own, um, their own traditions. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out what holidays are for them. And instead of just being with you, they're with other people. Maybe this time, and I know some of you are dealing with this this year, that maybe it's the first time that you don't have a parent with you during the holidays, that they've, they've passed away this year. I know some of you are struggling with that. But I think it goes back to that this time of year, Christmas, is when we feel all the changes. It's when we kind of begin to have to cope with, with those things, you know. You know, big changes, small changes, good changes, hurtful changes, you know, and, and we do things, and I, I know we've done it in our family before, you know, um, when, when so-and-so was maybe passed on and not there with us anymore, we try to recreate things that they cooked, you know, we try to recreate moments that we had with them. I know one of the, the funny things that we'll see, you know, on social media over the next few weeks that I always love is, is when, and I should have put some of these up, I've had some family members do these, um, but when you see people who recreate pictures from when they were kids and then as adults, those are always real funny, and it just goes to show that things you do as kids and then you try to do them as adults can kind of be maybe a little awkward, you know, a little weird, um, but they... But they, you know, try to recreate those things to hold on to those memories. You know, we, we do that. We do that. We try to hold on to things because we know that things in life are changing. Things in life become different. Seasons come and go. But I want you to know something this morning. God knows your tendency to cling on to that which you cannot hold on to. Okay? God knows your tendency to cling on to that which you cannot hold on to. Here's the thing about life. Life goes on, doesn't it? Life goes on. Raise your hand if there's ever been a moment in your time where time or a moment in your life where time just stopped. Anybody? Did time ever just stop for you? Or has it always gone on and always gone on and always gone on? And I think that's something that at times we really struggle with. Especially when times are good, when times are great, when we know that these memories that we're making right now are so important. We want to hold on to those things, and we want to cling to those things, and we want to make sure that we never lose those moments. And as we get into our, our passage today, our, our, pass, our, our main text for this entire series, uh, this idea of who Jesus will be called, especially in this, this last section here that we've been studying from Isaiah chapter 9, and he will be called, and read these words with me, read these names, Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Read them with me one more time. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I want you to know this morning that there is a part of every one of these that, that is important to your life. That these attributes, these names of God are given so that he can take care of something in your life whether it be good or whether it be bad. We started out with wonderful counselor and the idea that our life cannot be wonderful without the counselor, without Jesus in our life. Last week we talked about the mighty God and how he wants to save you and how he wants to be that force in you that takes care of those things and those challenges in your life. And then today we look at this idea of everlasting father, the, the, the God, the Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit all wrapped into one, the God that responds to the ever-changing world around you. And so we ask this question, what kind of everlasting father do we have? What kind of everlasting father 
do we have? I want you to open your Bibles to Psalms chapter 103. And in Psalms chapter 103, David begins to write about God and uses this word everlasting. And I think through some of these ideas, we can begin to get a picture of of what it means for him to be our everlasting father. So the first thing that I want you to think about with me this morning is God is a compassionate father. God is a compassionate father. Let's read this text. So starting uh, in Psalms 103, verse 13 and 14. uh, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on them who fear him. Uh, Very, very easy passage. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. And and even though the first passage, maybe the first verse kind of has the word we're using. I love this idea that, that God knows us so intimately, all right? God knows us so intimately, for he knows how we were formed. He saw that. He watched that. He witnessed that. He was part of that. But we go back to the beginning here, and he just tells us. He says what? As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. The first thing I want you to know this morning and just know for a fact is that you have a heavenly father. You have an everlasting God who has great compassion for you. Now, the question becomes, what does compassion mean? What does compassion mean? And I got to digging into this and I was trying to figure out, you know, really what, what, what is this word? Because we, we, compassion is this idea, I think, in our world that, you know, I feel maybe I feel sorry for you or I feel concerned for you. But really this word is so much deeper than that. It's not, maybe in a lot of ways it's a very surface word for us sometimes. But there is actually a deep meaning to this word. And it actually goes back into the idea Actually, both of these words that we kind of talk about, compassion and everlasting, uh, kind of go back to the idea of, of childbearing. And, and the word compassion here is, is to love or to care for an unborn child. That idea of I cannot wait for this child to get here. I'm so concerned about this child. I'm so in love with this child. And I just sit and dream and think about what this child can become, all the great things that I'm going to try to do and provide for this child so that so that they can have the best life that they could ever imagine. I think we all get that. We all understand that. We all understand that, that longing and that wanting and that thinking about children that are to come. I think about, about our journey. I think about our journey with our kids, and like I said, we, we've got four of them, you know that, I don't have to tell you that, but I'll tell you this thing about them, Collins was a total surprise, our first one and last one, both total surprises, you know, we weren't, maybe not total surprises, but we weren't planning on them, okay, we weren't planning on them, but listen, as much as the shock was that we're pregnant, the excitement was there, hey, we're going to be, we're not just husband and wife, we're not just young couple anymore, we're fixing to be this family with a child, and what does that mean, and we were, we were so excited through the pregnancy, and then, you know, you don't think about these type of things at the very beginning a lot of times, but then we're, we're ready to expand our family, we're ready for our family to grow. And that, as much as the first one was like, oh, we're having a baby, like we've been married six months, it's like, oh, we're having a baby, you know. Um, the second one, Vance, it took us a little while to get him here. It didn't come as easy as that first one. There were some struggles and there were some prayers and there was this kind of idea or, or thought within us that, hey, we may just be a family of three. And I was wrong about that. Um, 
we might just be a family of three. And we got to the point where we were okay with that. And we felt blessed that that might be our family dynamic. And then we get pregnant with Vance. And then, you know, it's a boy on top of that. And I'm like, whew, thank goodness, it's a boy. And I'm glad he was because that's the last one we were going to have. Um, but after, all, after those two years, here is a son. And we are so excited. And then we, we have a miscarriage, okay? And, and that was such a sad time. But then the Lord blessed us with our rainbow child, with Britain. You know, and we were so excited about that. And, and she is a child unlike any other that we've had. Just the, the joy that she brings. And then surprise again, we're, we have this, this fourth child that we weren't planning on. But I, 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 get, I, I tell you that quick kind of recap of my life to get you to understand this idea of compassion. That it's just, we were so excited and we spent so much time just thinking and praying and wondering and cherishing the idea of these children that were coming into our lives. And that, you know, I think about God and I think about the way he looks at us and he looks at me and he looks at you the same way. He cherishes you so much. He wants what's best for you. Wonderful counselor. He wants wonderful for your life more than anybody else. And he uses love and compassion to show you how much he cares for you. His actions that he, he, he gives towards you are always out of that compassion, of always out of that excitement to be your father. He's so glad that he is that. And then you think about the life of Jesus himself. And compassion defined his ministry. Some people may say miracles defined his ministry. Some people may say teaching defined his ministry. But I think that compassion really is what defined his ministry. Because you think about the things that he did. Compassion moved Jesus. When he saw someone sick, what did he do? He healed them. When he saw someone hungry, what did he do? He fed them. Blind, he restored them. He cleansed the leper. He teaches sinners. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. But the reason he did all of these things is because he saw these people. He saw their need. He saw that they were missing out of something in life. And he goes, I have compassion on them. And that compassion for their problems, for their challenges, for their issue led him to action. We serve a God full of compassion for each and every one of us. And what I love about that idea as well is that when we pray to him, when we pray to him, I know that he doesn't just hear my prayers, but he feels them as well. When I hurt, he hurts. When I feel love, he feels love. When I feel challenges, he responds to that. I pray to a God that feels what I feel and is compassionate towards those things. So our, our, our God is a, a compassionate Father. But the next thing I want you to see here, this goes along with the word everlasting, is we have a God that is a committed Father. A God that is a committed Father. So he keeps on going in verse 15. He says, the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. Uh, the wind blows over it and it is gone and its place is remember, the, I'm sorry, and its place remembers it no more. And that's kind of a, a sad thought there for just a second, right? Like our life is like a flower that's there one day and gone the next. All right? And, and, and we, we've, we've heard that throughout Scripture in a couple of different ways. But then he goes, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children. So he uses this word. He, he's here forever. That even though we may come and go, the Lord is everlasting to everlasting. And his love is that way. His love is always here and always there. 
And I think about that in a couple of different ways. You know, this word everlasting literally means he's present in the past, here, and in the future. He, he's always, always here. He's always there. And he was all, he's always going to be there. He always was there. And he is always here. And the thing is, he's that way all the time. And that's just a part of God. And I think about our lives, and I think about the things that we deal with. And like we talk about, this is a time of year where we feel a lot of things. But life comes and goes, doesn't it? Life is broken up in, in many ways. We do this, I think, because it helps us understand things and put things in perspective as life comes and goes in stages. Uh, this week, I talked to Jamie earlier this week. Uh, Kaylee and Scott graduated this weekend. Um, and I was thinking about Jamie and Stephanie. I've actually thought about Jamie and Stephanie a lot uh, this week, mainly because we, Jamie and I talked about it for just a few moments earlier in the week. Um, but where they are in life, they are at that phase to where they're fixing to be empty nesters. Fixing to be empty nesters. They got one child that is married and graduated. They, they've raised one, right? They've raised one. She's gone a long way. She's sitting on the other side of the aisle in the church building now. Um, and then they've got another one sitting up here that he's got one foot here in high school. And the rest of his brain is in South Alabama playing golf next year, right? Like you're just, you're just kind of there. And they're in this phase right here where, where their life is moving in this direction. And I'm in this phase where we are coming into the phase that they're going out of. So we, like I said, we hosted our first youth group event in our house yesterday or last night. It was great. It was fun. It was wonderful. But it hit me. Y'all, my oldest, when I'm in Jamie and Stephanie's spot, my oldest child will be nearly 30 when we host our last youth group event. Okay, Tanner, are you there with me? Nearly 30, all right? So, you know, I've got like 15 more years of this. But then there's going to come a time, even though it seems so far down the road, that I'm going to phase out. Some of y'all are going to phase in. And, and the people that phase in at that point, they're not even here yet, maybe. You know? People come and people go. We, we, we go into the, fellow, the old fellowship hall. And we see the pictures of, of all the former preachers that have served here. And you, and you can go back and you look at those pictures and you think about those times that were then. They used to be the present, but now they're the past. And then it stops with me, but you wonder what does the future hold? It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. But what David wants us to understand here, what God wants us to understand about him is as long as you're here, no matter what stage you're in, no matter how long you're here, no matter what's going on, God is always here with you, and God always loves you. He's always here. You can always count on him. He's always going to take care of you. He's always going to have your best interest in mind and in heart, and he's always going to shower you with that love. He is everlasting after everlasting. And those are two great attributes of God. Those are two great attributes of God. He is compassionate and he is committed. He's always going to be here. And, and, and you know what? We could stop right there. We could stop right there. Some people would say, you know, it's been 20 minutes, Matthew. Stop. You're done. You've said what you need to say. And, and I believe that. So um, we could stop right there. So I want everybody to do something for me. I want everybody to just take a deep breath. Take a mental break for a second. And now we've got 20 more minutes. You ready? No, I'm just kidding. I want to ask you a question, though. And just for a few minutes, I want us to talk about this. How do we connect all of this to our lives? 
It's great that he's committed to us, and it's great that he's compassionate with us. But I want you to think, if I've got an everlasting God, how do I, com- how do I connect to that? Okay, so he's there, he's always that way, but how do I put myself in a position to benefit from this relationship with this God? I'm going to give you just a few things very quickly. One that I think is greatly maybe more important than the rest, um, but then the lesson will be yours. The first is this, let God define true love. If God is compassionate, if God shows love, if God is love, then we need to allow him to define what love is in our life and then let him define it correctly. It's easy to sit down this time of year and look around and think, well, um, what if this person doesn't love me anymore? Or what if they loved me more? Or what if they loved me correctly? Or I miss this person that I used to love so much. It's easy to let you know, this idea of love be such so many different things. And what's even easier is to let the world define love. Love in a worldly way, which is so empty and, and has no real depth to it at all. But if you go and back up into our text, into verse 8, I love how... David, through the Holy Spirit of thinking about God, defines love, the love of God, and very much echoes things that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The Lord is compassionate, so, so love is compassionate and gracious. Love is defined as gracious. It is slow to anger, and it is abounding in love. So it is slow to anger and abounding. I love that. Um, he will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sin deserves or repays us according to our iniquity. So, so we see here that, that love and compassion from God has a certain look, has a certain feel, has certain attributes about it. Allow God to define love in your life and no one else. Uh, my forever father defines what love looks like for me what my family looks like for me. He defines the steps I take, the decisions I make, not the world or any unbroken or unhealthy relationship. God defines love. I think that's important for us this morning. The second thing, I messed that slide up, didn't I? The second thing um, I'll give you because I messed that slide up. Don't cling, and this is maybe controversial a little bit. Don't cling to your family and friends. Cling to your forever father with your family and friends. Does that make sense? Don't cling to your family and friends. It is so easy in our life and in our world to want to build our life around groups of people. To build our life around relationships. And relationships that we think are solid and that we think are are always going to be there. But here is the nature of human relationships. We're always going to fail each other. Correct? We're always going to have moments in our life, as much as we may not want to fail each other, we're going to have moments in our life where we're going to struggle in our relationship with each other. And if I'm so grounded, if my life is so grounded in my wife, in Blair, that she is my foundation, if there's ever conflict or struggle or issues in that relationship, what does that do to my grounding? It puts me on shaky ground. It puts me in a situation where I'm not really sure what to do because that relationship is going to have trouble. It's going to. She's perfect, I'm not. It's going to have problems, right? But what does Jesus say about it? 
Jesus says in Matthew 10, verse 37, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He doesn't say not to love them. Who does he say you have to love more? Him. And so this idea here, is this what it says? Is don't cling to your family and friends. Rather, cling to God. Cling to your everlasting father, your forever father, with your family and friends. Make all of your relationships about one thing. God. Worship God together. Serve God together. Minister to others for God together. But make God the foundation of it all. He's always been there. He's here right now. He's always going to be. So plant yourself and cling to him so that you will have firm footing no matter what's going on. And then the last thing is this. Be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. I've I've thought about this. And I've thought about the season that we're in. This is the season of giving, right? The season of giving. But with the season of giving also comes the season of what? The season of receiving. How many of you, even though it's better to give than to receive, right? That's what we've heard our whole life. It's better to give to receive. How many of you love getting more than giving? Let's just be honest for a minute. How many, thank you, sin. Got one, one couple. Of, how many of It's all men. All men. You know why? Because we don't ever get anything. We're like, we're never purchasing those things, right? Our wives are always getting them and then putting our name on the tag. That's, that's how that goes. And it's just great because we just show up and, now, and, all, and all their wives are grinning and shaking. And so next week, we're going to talk about marriage, healthy marriages next week. Um, no, this is a time of year. Hey, what do you want? You know, what, what do you want for Christmas this year? And how many of you go, well, well, you don't think this, but I've thought this. I've got an abundance of cooking utensils outside at my house, things that I can cook on. Set one of them on fire a few weeks ago. It still works, still works, still cooks. I hadn't cleaned it yet because I've been cooking on other things. But you know what I've thought about? I need a new smoker. I burnt this one up. I need a new smoker. Do I need a new smoker? No. Do I want a new smoker? Yeah, because this time of year is about not being content. What do you need? Not what do you need. What do you, how many, how many husbands, how many times have your wives come up to you? What do you need for Christmas? Is that what they say? What do they say? What do you want for Christmas? And so it breeds this idea of just being uncontent. Of course, I've seen this thing going around on social media. You know, I'm having a hard time figuring out what to get my wife for Christmas because when she married me, she got everything, you know. And um, okay, no one else thought that was funny. I'm nice. Shows you how y'all, how y'all feel about me. That's great. No. Um, but this time of year really needs to be about looking at our things through God first. If he's always here and he's always for us. This is what, this is what the Hebrew writer says. And, and, and this is an echo of what God says. Keep your lives free from the what? Love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. What he tells us here is, as you think about this year, or this time of year, that's really about just thinking about what you want, what you need many times, especially if you've got kids. Look at these things through the lens of the everlasting Father. I've shown you compassion. 
I'm committed to you. Cling to me. And look at your life through the fact that I'm always here. And when I understand that I can settle myself into God, and I don't have to worry about wavering from one side to another, no matter what comes along in life, I'm more content. I have the ability to not want. I have the ability to not feel like I'm doing without, because I've got the one thing that matters more than anything else, and that is God, because he is everlasting after everlasting. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And that's the most important thing. And funnel everything else in your life through that point of view. And then life becomes better. No matter how bad it gets, life becomes better. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor. What's the next one? Do what? Mighty God. Today is Everlasting Father. And then next week, Jonathan will wrap this series up as we talk about the Prince of Peace. Let's go to God in prayer as we wrap up. God, we thank you for the chance to just be in your presence this morning. And to talk about and think about how awesome it is for you to be our everlasting Father. We thank you so much for, for Isaiah and his writing of these words. To remind us how powerful and wonderful and mighty that you truly are in your wholeness and in being our Father, the Son, and our Holy Spirit. God, we just thank you for the chance to worship you this morning. Help us to leave here uplifted, encouraged, and closer to you. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Mortals join the mighty chorus Which and Twitter. the morning stars began For the love Be sure to join us again And until then, remember to love like Jesus man to man.